Hey guys, just jumping on real quick here to talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard of it, Anchor is through Spotify. It's one of the easiest ways just to be able to produce a podcast. It's got everything you need in just one place. So Anchor has the tools. It allows you to record, edit, do everything you need to make a podcast right from your phone or your computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many different more. It's an awesome tool. I love using it. I've been using it for a little bit now. And the cool thing about it is it's absolutely free. So if you're interested in starting up a podcast, if you're interested in getting involved in podcast work, then download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Are you in the process of looking for a therapist? Are you looking for a coach? Are you looking for someone you're not really sure, what do I look for? Or what are some of the signs that I need to avoid or follow after? I want to be able to share with you a couple things today about looking for a therapist and some tips and tricks to what to be able to look for and what to be able to avoid. Um, we're going to be going through a book, if you haven't seen already. Um, we're finishing up here, The Narcissist in Your Life by Julie Hall. Uh, great book. It's got some great resources on there. Looking for a therapist can be really difficult. It can be really hard on any level. I know for me, I struggled to be able to find a therapist that I was going to connect with and that, that was going to actually help me, that was going to call me out on my BS, that was going to call me out on the things that I've done. Maybe you've been in relationships where you've gone to therapists together and you've started to realize, wait a second, like this toxic relationship that I'm in is not getting called out in the therapy room. In fact, they're actually enabling the other person or believing the other person or, you know, telling telling you that you were the person that was abusing when it was really the narcissist and they didn't want to admit that or see that. A lot of times that's why we mention people don't go to counseling together and don't do couples counseling together because when you go with a narcissist to couples counseling, often what it does is it gives the other person an idea of being able to create more ammo to be able to use against you. Oftentimes you'll see this of leaving the leaving the counseling center or the, the therapist, whatever it might be, and seeing them rage out on you, seeing them upset that the therapist took your side or that it was all about you or it was all against you or whatever it might be. They concoct a lot of different stories to be able to say, this is what it is, or this is how this person's acting. Sometimes they'll just walk out of therapy. Sometimes they'll just run away and be like, you know, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And that gives you a really quick sign of something Something a lot bigger is going on, probably narcissism. Um, other times they'll take different tidbits that the counselor or, the, or the, the therapist said, and they'll use those against you later. See, did you hear what they said? You're the reason why I don't feel safe. You're the reason why I do this. You're the reason why I do this. Give you an idea of like my wife and I at the very beginning of our relationship after the first affair was confessed, uh, we went to a counselor. We went to a Christian counselor for a period of time, and it was not helpful. It was not helpful in the form that, like, my wife walked away from it thinking that she was to blame for my actions. And that's how the counselor kind of phrased it. They never blamed her particularly, but they gave her the impression, basically, of like, hey, you didn't make it easy for him to go be with another person. Like you should have, you know, been more loving. You should have been more caring and all those different types of things that are good in a healthy relationship. But for a person who's in an abusive relationship or in a manipulative one, like that's just them giving more of themselves while the other person is just taking more. 
it wasn't helpful and it was actually very detrimental for our relationship based on everything that got put on her. Later, we went to see another counselor and um, like in the past like year or so, we went to see another counselor as we were going through our own therapy individually. Recommend it has to be individually first and then you can see about coming together if there's change, um, honesty, vulnerability. Okay, and just separate that. And then we came together with another one, got into that one and then we're like, no, like this isn't working. And I started picking up on it, you know, being more self-aware and understanding stuff of what's going on. I'm like, wait a second. Like, did he just say that? Like what he just said, like in my mind, I'm like, that would mean I could say this to her. And I'm like, that's not true. Like knowing about myself now is like, that's not true. That's not something that I'm allowed to say because it's wrong. It would be gaslighting her. It'd be manipulating the situation. And so we left that counselor. I got to a place where I was looking for counselors, but before this, I was looking for counselors for therapists. I went to, I don't know, I went to like three different ones, four different ones, until I finally got to the one that I was with. And when I got to the one that I'm with now, it's been, at the time of this recording, it's been over 16 months every single week. Uh, after I got the one that I'm with now, part of the reason why it just worked and why we connected was the idea of knowing that I was seen, knowing that I was heard, and knowing that I was safe. Seen, heard, safe are really important in therapy just in general. Therapy, coaching, like anybody that's trying to help you accelerate in life, you have to be seen, you have to be heard, and you have to feel safe to be able to communicate what's actually going on. And then I also had someone who is in like this the right field. Like for me, like she knew about narcissism. She knew about sex addiction. She knew about all different types of stuff. She came from a narcissistic family. Like she understood like her mom was a narcissist. Like all different types of stuff like came to the table of saying like she has a lot of awareness about it. And as a result, we're able to engage on a week-to-week -week basis where she'll call me out, but she'll also not give me the answers. She'll say, what do you think? And try to work me through that process of healing, growing, and changing on a day-to-day -day basis. But for you out there, there might be a lot of people that are like, I don't know how to find one. I don't know what I'm looking for. And that's normal, especially when we're talking about narcissistic abuse. So let's talk about it real quick. Okay. A couple questions I want you to think of when to ask when you're looking for a therapist. Okay. So you sit down at the table, first introduction, you're going to ask the therapist, ask them this. Number one, what is your experience with narcissistic personality disorder? Get a gauge on what they know about it, how they actually know, because you might walk in, sit down and realize in a matter of like 30 seconds that you know about narcissist, you know more about NPD than what the therapist does. So be careful about that. Number two, what is your experience with narcissistic abuse trauma? Just knowing about narcissism is completely different about knowing about the trauma and the abuse that comes with it. Sometimes people will say like, oh, like I learned about nar narcissism in, you know, in college. I learned about narcissism as I was going through clinicals or whatever it is. Like I learned about all this stuff, but it doesn't look like this in the real world. You have to have someone who knows what they're talking about. Number three, do you explore family of origin dynamics? Understanding what happened in your past to be able to work with you to be able to help you to heal, grow, and change. And number four, do you establish and work towards concrete goals? If it's just ambiguous, if, if the healing isn't there, if the idea of like where we're going isn't there, it might not be the best fit. So I try to be really upfront with clients. I'm saying like, hey, my goal, awareness, growth, healing, change. Like that is it in a nutshell of like, I want people to grow, heal, and change to be able to continue from getting out of the trauma bond, working through the, the limbo land of detoxing from the narcissist and setting up their future vision, goals, and values of boundaries forward and backward, you know, boundaries for the person so that they don't get with a narcissist and say so they don't back with a narcissist. All right, so anyways, look for a therapist who, okay? Here we go. Well, things you need to look for in a therapist. One, 
provides active listening. They're not engaging with you. If they're not listening, you're not seen. You're not heard. One, um, number two, displays compassion. And you need a lot of that as you're getting out of that abusive relationship. Number three, validates your feelings. Narcissists didn't validate your feelings. Do not get with a therapist that doesn't validate what you're feeling. Feelings aren't bad. Something I learned in therapy. Didn't know that. <laughs> it's just a light bulb moment for me. Okay. Number four, models good boundaries. They can't teach you boundaries if they don't have boundaries. Number five, displays honesty and directness. You want them to not bullshit you. Like you want them to say like, hey, this is what happened. Number six, can laugh at themselves when they make mistakes or whatever it might be. Number seven, identifies your self-defeating patterns. Like, hey, they need to be able to call you out of like, that's not helping. That self-talk is hurting you. You know, how you're interacting is not helping the situation. Like, let's work on reframing the perspective. Number eight, provides vocabulary for feelings. For me, like coming to the table and someone saying, what are you feeling? Uh, happy, sad, mad. Like, that's it. There's more? I didn't know. You know, so understanding, like getting an emotions wheel, putting feeling chart up, like helping people understand what they're actually thinking, what they're actually processing is huge. Uh, number nine, gives homework if you want it. Helps you progress. Number 10, offer, offers flexible approaches. This is huge for me. So like with my therapist, like I call her crazy because literally like we get to a wall and she's like, okay, we'll try something new next time. We'll try something new. And like each time it's like coming in sometimes to a completely different therapy session of how it's structured, how it runs, what we're doing, how we're communicating, because she's going to try stuff new to be able to help work with me. Number 11, gives feedback. And then number 12 is receptive to feedback. So those are the things to look for. Okay, so make sure you look through those, write them down, get an idea of like, hey, when I'm going to a therapist, do they check some of these boxes? I need to make sure that they do so you're not getting with a narcissistic therapist. So you're not getting with someone that is not going to be helping you heal, grow, and change. Okay, now a couple things I want to talk about what to avoid. All right, so listen up. Avoid a therapist who displays impatience or arrogance. Again, they might be narcissistic. Number two, has rigid or weak boundaries, either extreme. Number three is dismissive. They can't be dismissive of your feelings, of your emotions, of what you're going through. They have to be able to accept those because they're valid. Like, just hear that again, because you probably come from a narcissist relationship. Your feelings and emotions are valid. It's okay, all right? Number four is defensive. If the therapist is defensive, no, no, just walk away, okay? Number five has a judgmental or authoritative tone. This is why I left some, some. Because I would come to the table and they'd be like, okay, like, tell me about yourself. Okay. Like, hey, I'm a narcissist and I've cheated five times. And like, all of a sudden I just see the face change. And I'm like, yep, not a safe place for me to say that. Didn't stay with that therapist because I knew I can't be seen and heard when they're coming across that way. Number six is emotionally detached. Number seven, make sweeping statements. Number eight, draw conclusions too quickly. Number nine, dismisses your need for limited or no contact with the narcissist. If you have any therapist out there that you're working with that's, that is seeing you come out of an abusive relationship and is saying like, you don't need to go no contact. You don't need to limit your contact. Leave them right away. Go find a new therapist. Come talk to me. Come talk to another coach. Like, I don't care. But like, if that therapist is telling you that you need to stay in contact in an abusive relationship, walk away. Number 10, uses a rigid method, methodology. It doesn't all fit in a box, 
Like you can't do it the same way. Do I have like a structure that I try to help people through? Yeah, absolutely. But like it morphs and changes depending on the person. Like not everybody checks all the boxes of like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And just like we talked earlier this morning about like the states of grief, like that kind of thing. Like they don't happen in the same order. It's like all over the place sometimes. Um, number 11, shows a lack of interest or curiosity. Number 12, frequently relates things back to him or herself. If it's always about the therapist, no, no, okay. Number 13, is easily manipulated. Maybe it's a therapist you saw with the narcissist and they believe the narcissist, find a new one, okay? Uh, number 14, doesn't give feedback. Number 15, shuts down or rejects feedback. And then number 16, is overly serious or humorless, okay? Hopefully that helps. Take a look, write those things down, what to look for in a therapist, what to avoid a therapist, and then the four questions to ask you know, when you're with a therapist to see what they know about narcissism, how that works, and to make sure that you're getting connected to the right person that's going to help your healing, growth, and change. Thanks so much.